following message was recorded at Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org. I'm excited about today's message. We're finishing up a series on uh, the armor of God. Uh, It has been a a great journey. I want to share with you that when we look at Ephesians chapter 6 is where we're at. So if you do have your Bibles, I encourage you to open them up, go to Ephesians, uh, that beautiful final chapter, and open up to uh, chapter 6, verse 10 through 20. Uh, We've been working through this, uh, this series, and here we are in verses 18 to 20. And a lot of times I feel like the, the, this facet of prayer, this component of the, of the armor that we've been given in Christ is, is uh, often not um, spoken of, it's not, uh, it's not utilized, it's, it's, uh, it's misunderstood uh, in its directive, in its necessity. And uh, so we're going we're gonna to talk about what it means to be a prayer warrior. So would you join me in prayer as we dive into this time? Father, thank you for your love, your care, your presence, your power. Thank you for that the battle belongs to you, that, uh, that we can rest in you and trust in you. Uh, help us to be like Moses that looks to you in the battle, uh, lifting our hands, trusting you for the for the fight and for the victory, uh, acknowledging that, that we are not fighting for victory, but from it, uh, because, Lord Jesus, you have conquered death and sin, and you have rescued us and brought us from death to life. And now in the fight for the souls of others, Lord, we pray that you would find us submitted to you, yielded to you, on our knees, uh, understanding that the fight is yours and we are your instruments. Help us to put on and take on uh, and and take up the shield of faith and all of these resources that you've you've given to us. Um, And we thank you, Father, for your goodness, your grace, your mercy, your love. Lord Jesus, for your pursuit of our heart, for your for your victory and Holy Spirit, for your counsel, comfort, conviction, presence, and power. We're so thankful. I uh, pray that you would teach us now, seed our hearts with truth, uh, rescue us again from our doubt and fear and anxiety, that we would trust you more. Increase our faith, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, in James. So we're going to dive into this topic of prayer. I, I'm excited that a few of you would, would say, I'm a prayer warrior. Uh, that, that is truly what we should be. We, we fight on our knees, uh, knowing, as, uh, as I love what Lori shared with us earlier, that we have an advocate, a mediator uh, in Christ uh, that petitions our needs, knows our hearts, um, understands uh, f- you know, intimately our future, and, uh, and he is for us and not against us. And so these are some good things. I'm going to challenge your prayer life this morning uh, to understand that it is, a, uh, it is an opportunity for us to stay in the fight um, and to lean on the one that, uh, that always walks in victory. So James, uh, this is a verse that I've used throughout the series uh, to help us to understand that we are, we are called to resist the devil. Uh, I love that the bookends of this, uh, th- these two verses in James chapter 4 kind of tell us that, you know, um, we've got we've to stay close. We've got to draw near. We've got to submit ourselves to, to God. 
Uh, So this is what it says here in James 4, 7 and 8. Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Is that good news? Like that we can stand against the enemy and, uh, and that there's a promise here that if we resist, that he will flee. Um, and then it goes on to say, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So the question that we have to ask is, and that we've been asking and really diagnosing through this series is, how do we resist the devil? How do we resist the devil? So I believe that prayer is incredibly powerful here in our resistance of temptation, of doubt, of fear, um, uh, anxiety, uh, addiction, that, uh, that when we, we, we draw near to God, when we submit ourselves to God's word, God's will, God's way, we, we find victory. We, we walk the narrow path. And uh, there's a partnership uh, in the Christian life between prayer and God's word right? Like we, we, we really should have, as we'll talk about in this, pa- in this passage, we really should have more of a disposition of listening rather than talking in prayer, right? That, that this, in, this, in this, uh, this, this wonderful lifelong conversation with our King, with our Lord, we have an advocate. We have a, we have a helper in the Holy Spirit that actually helps us to pray as we ought because we're told in Romans 8 as we'll look at that we don't even know how to pray because we're not, we don't know, do you know what's gonna happen this afternoon? But God does. We don't even know the will of the Lord when it comes to certain circumstances, but the Spirit does. And, uh, and so um, gonna really challenge how we approach prayer um, and, and how we're called to approach prayer. And this is so critical, I believe foundational, to helping us walk the narrow path, to walk the, 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 the race that's been marked out for us, to run that race uh, well, and to, and to stay on the path, and to, and to keep in step with the Spirit, these things that we are told. So let me uh, remind us of the passage. I'm going to read it in its full context. Uh, we'll start in verse 10 and go through, through verse 20. And again, we're going to be looking specifically at verses 18 to 20 this morning. Finally, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Now let me say this. this the rest of this is aimed at helping us to know how to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Right, so the this is this is the the the, the active ingredient. This is the application to that. Verse eleven: Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes. Does the enemy have schemes? Right, and we know that it's to steal, kill, and destroy. We know he's a roaring lion seeking to devour. Right, and uh, and this is his agenda. But God, but Christ came with a different ambition, a different purpose. I have come that they may have life and life abundantly. And, uh, and so we, uh, we, we are equipped for the schemes of the enemy. Verse 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We gotta be careful about that for sure, but against the rulers and against the authorities and, uh, and against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore take up, and then we're reminded again, not part, but the whole armor of God that we may be able to stand in the evil day. And having done all to stand firm. 
Stand therefore, having fastened the belt of truth, as we've gone through all of these components and diagnosed their, their application, what we've come to understand is that we're, we're actually, as we're told, uh, we're putting on Christ. These are all of the, the gifts that we've been given in Jesus, right? Truth and righteousness, faith. And we've been given a, an advocate for the sword of the spirit to lead us into all truth and remind us of everything. He's, we've been given the gospel. So truly what we're being called to put on here, as we talked about last week, is to put on Christ, is to walk in him, to, to embrace all of the wonderful gifts that God has given us in Christ. And so that's what these uh, elements are describing because truly, you know, remember when Jesus said, you know, sell what you have, grab a couple of swords and they misunderstood. The, the disciples right there at the garden kind of misunderstood what he was talking about. He was trying to prepare them that you're, you're going to be in a battle from this day forward, right? And then Peter kind of cuts off Malchus's ear and, and, uh, and, P- and what does Jesus say? He says, put away the sword. Like you, you, you've, you've yet again misunderstood what I'm saying here. Right and uh, and so let's not like look at these things and and uh, and and think that we're utilizing uh, you know swords. I was going to bring this giant sword that Ray has some great beautiful swords. I was going to kind of use, but but like that's not what this is about. It's just helping us to understand that we're in a fight, and we have a glorious King, and greater is He that is in us than He is in the world. And because of Christ, we are now more than conquerors. But but we fight to stand right? We, we fight in love. We fight all of these aspects, all of these character, all these gifts uh, are, uh, are ignited by faith, by us trusting the Lord. And, uh, and that's how we come to understand the gospel. That's how we come to experience the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. But it says, therefore stand fastening, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace in all circumstances, as we talked about last week, take up the shield of faith in all circumstances with which you can, you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit And this is what we'll talk about, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me that that words may be given to me, Paul says. This is his, his ask for prayer in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So the first question I want to ask as we kind of set this up, um, really, you know, what we, we're always doing as we get in the scriptures is we're wanting the Holy Spirit to teach us, right? To, to instruct our hearts so that we can walk or practice truth rather than just know it. That's how we build our house upon the rock. Otherwise, if we're just hearers only, we deceive ourselves, right? And so be in the posture right now of how do I put this into practice. So where does our strength come from, right? We're told that right in verse 10, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Jesus has given us access to the Father. These are things that we need to be reminded of. Like in Hebrews chapter four, I think it's verse 16, we're told to come, we we now have access 
to the Father, we can come confidently and boldly before the throne of grace. Have you ever, have you, have you recently thought about like the privilege that we have to enter into his presence because now our sin debt has been paid for in full and now the veil has been torn from heaven to earth and we have access to the Father to come and, and hear, really for him to impart his heart to us and for us to make petition before the throne. I mean, that is a glorious gift. Um, I think we need to be careful that we uh, continue as, you know, knowing that he's our father, Jesus even speaks to us in terms of friendship um, in John 15. But in, in those things, like we got to be careful that we still remember that he is creator God. He is this, he is father. You know, like we've been invited into, adopted, invited into the family. But man, we are getting the privilege of talking to the God of the universe. I mentioned this morning that, you know, Isaiah had a vision of this in Isaiah 6. And he, he said, what was me? I'm ruined. You know, like he was just, he was overwhelmed. David, uh, John in, in Revelation falls down like a dead man the moment that he's in the presence of the Lord. And so I think we got to be careful about being casual in this moment, but, but that should not keep us from coming into his presence because that's what Christ purchased. That's the gift that we've been given. But our communication is critical in this, in this fight. It's clear it's a, that we, we need to have dialogue. Uh, and, and mostly we need to be in a listening pot. It's essential. Uh, do, do we forget that praying is a critical component to our fight, our defense? or even our success. As I, I, we mentioned this this morning in our Get Ready study, that, that you know, if you look back over the Old Testament, you know, who stands out as being men of prayer? Well, as I thought about it, maybe as you're thinking about it, you know, what stands out for me is David and Daniel. Like these were two men that uh, are marked by prayer, persecuted because of their prayer life, um, you know, the, David's prayers are, are, are many, uh, probably far more than the Psalms that we are given. And, uh, and we see this intimate relationship, a man after God's own heart, and we see it manifested through prayer. But the other thing we see that's, that's kind of uh, along the same lines as these two that were, you know, that stand out as men of prayer is that they, they lived a life of victory. I mean, <laughs> Daniel had massive massive impact over different empires in, in turning their hearts to, to the Lord and, and helping Nebuchadnezzar and Darius and, and Xerxes, others, all these, these mighty men uh, come to understand the, 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 the wonder of God through this man that was marked by prayer. And his, his life is also marked by victory and David the same. And so... Um, you know, I think there's a lot to glean from that. Um, how often should we pray? About what should we pray? Where should we pray? Um, and, and in the context of the passage this morning, understanding that this is a part of how we, how we fight well, how we walk in victory, how we're called to, um, to, to, to stay on the narrow path and, and, not, be, and not, be, uh, not fall, but stand. 
So in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, we say this often, but pray without ceasing, right? In, in the following verse, in verse 18, it says, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. The previous verse says, be joyful always. So we know that being joyful, I mean, that's not the first time we've heard that. Read Philippians, right? Be, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. He says that twice in chapter three, verse one, chapter four, verse four. Like joy is a, is a critical component to the will of God, but thanksgiving as well, but prayer. And that we're called to do it at the frequency of without ceasing. So to me, it sounds like an ongoing conversation. And how critical is, how critical is, 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 uh, is communication to intimate relationship? and to understanding the heart of those that you're, that you're talking with. And, and really, this, this is what's so, in order to walk God's glorious path for our life, we've got to know his heart, his intentions, his will. And do you know that we have, we have advocacy there? We have powerful help. We have God himself residing within us through the work, sacrifice of Christ and the cross. We now have, Jesus said, it's better that I go that he might come, another helper. <laughs> I mean, now he's going to do a global work that he said, you will do even greater things than me. And this is, this is the advocacy of the Holy Spirit who wants to teach us about the Father, how to pray, what to pray for, so is, is prayer your first response or your last resort? Is, is it when, 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 when the uh, battle that, that uh, Lori spoke about, when those battles reveal themselves, is, is prayer your first response? Because I really believe that's what we're challenged to here, is that we're reminded of what we're given in Christ and that our posture, our application, our, our active... Uh, moment in, in this is to, is to pray, is to, I mean, because where is the victory found? Is it in, um, you know, us figuring it out and working it out and doing it in our strength or his? And, uh, and then, and, and what does it teach? What does it state about our, our faith and our confidence? Prayer is not a program. It is our constant posture. Question, do you believe prayer is where you win, is where we win. Because maybe it's just our, our mindset or, or our stinking thinking that, that I mean, really, the, the victory is won on our knees. When we really submit our, ourselves, our heart, our needs, our concerns, our fight to him, and then we yield ourselves to a, a response that often we're led to do that's very contrary to what our flesh wants to do, right? Because our, our, our flesh wants to fight in different ways. And we're called to fight in a manner that demonstrates love and grace and mercy and uh, entrust ourselves to a faithful creator who judges justly. The battle belongs to the Lord. So we look at... Um, so I'll mention this comment. Because this is where we declare our dependency and cast our cares, and this is where we, we are still and know. I mean, if you remember in Exodus 14, 14, this is what Moses told the nation of Israel. Now, I want to give a little bit of context here just so that we understand. Like, this is the most powerful military force on the planet, right? Chariots and horses, and they're coming, to, they're coming with a clear objective, and they're breathing down their necks. And it's almost like the U.S. taking all, you know, all of its military and going after 
Katie. You know, like, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, there's no, there's no, there's no fight here, right? They, they feel like they're, they're, they're done. And Moses looks at them and he says, be still and God, our Father, our God will fight for you. That's the word he hears from the Lord. Be still and I will fight for you. And, and I think that that stillness of posture is the be still and know. It is a, a restful posture. It's kind of the posture that Jesus had in the stern of the boat in the midst of the storm, that he was able to rest because he knew whose fight it was and who was in control. So what has Jesus taught us about prayer? What has he taught us about prayer? So I, I think it's, do, do you think it's critical that we know the heart of the one we pray to, the disposition, not just the power and the potential, but that we also know like his, his, his uh, character and, uh, and his disposition towards us. Like it, when it comes to forgiveness, you know, it, for me, it's so encouraging to be reminded that he's the prodigal father that when I make a step in his direction, when I come to my senses and I turn and I repent, that he's the one that runs to us, restores, refreshes us, you know, puts the ring on our finger, sandals on our feet, coat on our back, and then throws apart. Like, it's so helpful to know that that's the disposition, that he's the one that says, you know, if, if, you, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Isn't it, isn't it awesome to know the heart of the Father the declared intention or um, response that he'll have for us, right? So Jesus teaches us about prayer, and there's two, there's two moments that he uh, uses parables. And I, I really want to just get to very quickly uh, what he's telling us in these parables. So the first one, in Luke chapter 1, verse 1, um, the disciples come to Jesus and they say, look, we obviously don't know what we're doing here, so would you teach us to pray as John taught his disciples? And, he, and they give, he gives them another version of the Lord's Prayer. And, uh, but then he goes on to teach a parable about a friend that has this, this other friend come to his house at midnight. It's obviously unexpected. He has no food to put be- before him. And so he races out and knocks on a door and asks another friend for three loaves of bread. And the friend says, I'm already asleep. I'm in bed. I'm with my children. I am, I am not opening the door. There's no bread for me tonight, from me tonight. And, uh, but he persists. And, uh, and because he's his friend, it says, you know, he comes and he gives him it through his persistence. Now, what we're meant to understand is this. One, God is not a stingy friend, right? That, that God is ready, that, that when we come to him for bread, he is ready and willing to provide. Because in that context of that passage, what we're told is ask and you will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock on the door and it will be open to you. For anyone who asks, it's, you know, so he, we're, we're told that this is, and we, we misunderstand it sometimes because it's not really talking about persistence as much as it's saying that God is not, is not surprised by your need. God is not uh, unwilling to get up and move and unlock the door and, and provide what you're asking that he's in a posture of, of wanting to, to give what is best for us. You know, in another passage we see, it says, um, though you, if, if a child comes to you and asks for an egg, are you going to give him, you know, a, a scorpion? If he asks for a fish, are you going to give him a serpent? 
You know, and he says, though you are evil, you know how to give good. Talking about earthly fathers. You know how to give good gifts. How much more will my heavenly father give the gift of the Holy Spirit to those who ask? And so just knowing that the heart of our father is benevolent and kind and generous, and he's aware of what we need before we even ask, but he wants us to, we have not because we ask not. He wants us to ask you know, and, and because it declares our faith and our, and our dependency upon him. And so, um, you know, in another parable, we hear about the widow coming before this unrighteous judge. And, uh, and, and what we have to understand, and this is Luke 18, like what we have to understand is, is that it's, we're, we're, a lot of times we misunderstand these parables, but the, the bottom line is this, God is the righteous judge. And he says he will give speedily to those who are, you know, in an unjust situation. And so who are we depending, this is what it boils down to, who are we depending on for the answers and for the victories in our life? What, where are we truly putting our faith in? Is if, you know, if, if we have an electrical problem, are we just, you know, we're putting our faith in the electrician or, or, or the one that made it all? Our, is our true confidence in him. And when we know that that's his posture, and this is my point, when we know that's his posture, we race to him in our moments of need. We come running in knowing his heart and his disposition and his desire to, to, to bless and to... But how do we know his will? Because that's what First Peter says, when you play, pray anything according to my, to my will, it will be done for you. Let's look. Jeremiah, I, I remind us of this passage because, you know, again, it's important we understand the heart and disposition of, of our great father. He says, Jeremiah 33, 3 says, Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and hidden things that you do not know. Call to me. And Ephesians 6, 18, our passage for this morning, begins with pray at all times. See, carry on a constant communication with the Lord. Remain in his presence through prayer. Like, have this constant talk as you walk through life in the circumstances that you're in with the Holy Spirit. Hopefully the only time we pray is not when we are in need or in trouble. The passage here opens up with all times, but that must include moments of praise and thanksgiving, prayers of sacrifice and supplication, intercession for others. You know, and so we, we, we have to challenge ourselves that it's the only time that God hears from me is when I, you know, I have a list for him and, uh, and, or, or when we're in trouble. Because, man, if we look at the, the scriptures, man, look at the Psalms, like they're filled. Even, even Paul, when he talks about his prayers for the churches, is, 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 never leaves out thanksgiving. You know, when you have something to to be grateful for, are you, are, you know, because all the good and perfect gifts come from above. And then the, the passage says this, praying at all times in the spirit. So the best commentary on scripture is scripture and the best clarifier of scripture is scripture. So I'm going to read from you from Romans chapter eight, which is, is talking about the, the victory we have the power of the Spirit, submitting to the Spirit rather than the flesh, and, and the benefits of the Spirit. Listen to what it says in verses 26 and 27, talking about praying in the Spirit. Likewise, the Spirit helps us 
in our weakness. Do you ever feel weak in prayer? Do you ever feel like, I, I don't even know what to say or to ask for. I don't even understand my own, my own circumstances or emotions right here. Do you know that you have an advocate? You have a helper? You have one that, 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 that sees your circumstances with clarity and precision and already has a plan for, for your healing and for, for your sanctification in this? It says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. Do you know that that's true? Because we don't know what tomorrow brings. We don't know our own hearts. We don't really understand what other people are doing or why. Like, we don't understand even the, the will of the Father at times. And so we don't know how we should pray or what we should pray for. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us. How sweet is that? with groans too deep for words. And he who searches hearts, our God and Father, knows what is in the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints. And here it is, according to the will of God. So my question this morning is, should prayer be more of a posture of listening than talking? Should we be uh, trying to hear what it is that the Spirit wants uh, and and uh, and rather than trying to process, and I'm not saying that that's not necessary. That that's not a part of prayer. But let me ask this: so, what, you know, are, are folks often guilty in conversations of uh, talking more than they listen? Uh, maybe even not even listening when the other person's talking because they're just form- formulating their own their next comment. Right? Are, 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 they, are they in a posture of learning and gleaning what's really going on in this precious heart that's in front of them so that they can maybe be a, an, an advocate or a, a source of comfort or direction? But, but what, what role should we play when it comes to prayer? And based on this passage, should, should we not be, you know, we're told that true worshipers, this is in John chapter 4, verse 24, 23, 24, Jesus says to the woman of the well, says, true worshipers will worship me. There's a time that's coming. He's talking about after the Holy Spirit has deposited that true worshipers will worship me in spirit and in truth. And so like we're, we're understanding here that, that maybe our posture of prayer and communication with the Lord should be more of a listening posture. I mean, are, aren't we the ones that need to, to grow and know? Rather than trying to, to, to give God our agenda and our list, maybe we need to understand what it is that the Holy Spirit wants to do in this circumstance or this moment. Have you, have you ever been in a place where you know that, that what you want isn't what God wants? And maybe your emotions are getting in the way. Um, and man, the Holy Spirit can bring such clarity and such guidance that moment so that we can pray in accordance to God's will. And what is the benefit of praying according to God's will with the help and advocacy of the Holy Spirit? That's a powerful prayer life because he says, if you pray anything according to my will, it will be done, right? And so what does it look like to make the shift in your prayer life where you're more of a um, sensitive listener to the Spirit 
and what it is that he wants you to ask for in that moment. Because it might not be for their demise. It might be for their blessing or for their care, um, their forgiveness. Um, You see many of David's Psalms where he starts off with all of his flesh and emotions and feelings and it it makes a, a giant shift once the spirit seems to get a hold of that moment to a very different place and a different approach. And so we're told to to pray in the Spirit. Um, All all times pray in the Spirit with all prayers and supplications to to that end, keep alert. Now, you you remember in the garden, Jesus says, watch and pray, right? This is not the first time we're told to have a sober mind and a watchful presence. Question, um, when at war, how important is watchfulness? When, you know, my father-in-law had, you know, was on a fishing vessel all his life and, and they all had to rotate on, on the watches in the evenings. Uh, and that was for safety, you know, that was for protection, you know. But in, 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 in wartime, which, you know, this is in the context of a battle which we're in, how, how important is that we're watchful? And what are the consequences for those that were given that role, maybe in the military, that don't fulfill that role? And, and the implications on others. So we're, we're called to be watchful, to be sober-minded, to stay on guard and remain vigilant in prayer. That that's, that's the, the posture of the saint. That's the prayer warrior that acknowledges that, that I've got to trust him in all of these circumstances and wait on him, which is very difficult for us, especially in this context. In Mark 14, 38, it says, Jesus says, watch and pray that you may not enter into what? Man. I mean, what, a, what counsel to us today that we would, we would have watchful, alert, sober-minded, like attentiveness to the circumstance knowing that we have an enemy that's, that's pursuing us with uh, clear intentions. But I love this part. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. What is the spirit willing to do? To help us in our weakness to watch and pray. Man, just, just a challenge for me as I'm going through this passage and, and being, wanting to be really practical in, in sharing with you guys. Like, here's the thing. We've got to be more attentive to what it is the Spirit wants us to pray for. Have you ever been in prayer and the Lord just introduces a person out of the blue to your heart? You know, that, that's what he wants. That's who he wants us to pray for. In that moment, we don't even have to understand the circumstances, but we can trust that God is wanting to you. And, and are we meant to be that type of, I mean, are, are we together in this? You know, and, and we need one another to, we'll, we'll see at the end of this passage that, that Paul asks for the prayers of the saints. And then we're told to do this with all perseverance. So what is perseverance? I thought this was an excellent definition. Perseverance means doing something despite difficulty or delay. Despite difficulty or delay. I think a lot of times we find in our instant gratification mode that we have a hard time just sitting, listening, waiting on the Lord. 
um, that when we're facing difficulties or things aren't coming in the timeline that we want it, that's the challenge to persevere, to continue to persevere, knowing and trusting that God is working all things together for good, believing that. Also, this is a large part of how we fight the good fight of faith. Are you persevering in prayer? That's the question that we, are, are, we, are we continuing, not just giving God our list and trying to change his mind and helping him to see it our way, <laughs> right? But, but really, prayer is quite the opposite. It's us submitting, right? Yielding, persevering so that God can change our hearts and minds to see it his way. And so in Romans 12, too, uh, to just reinforce this point, uh, it says, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant, be constant in prayer. So this is not a posture of forcing our will on his, but conforming, as I mentioned, our will to his. I love this statement. Uh, I've heard many times, prayer is not getting our will in heaven, but the Father's will on earth. Right? Isn't that, isn't that what Jesus teaches us to pray for? Is that we really, it's not our will being done or our kingdom coming, but that his will would come and his will and his, uh, his kingdom would come and our, his will would be done. So uh, I was recently at a meeting with uh, one of our city uh, councilmen and uh, a state representative. And they were just sharing all the things that uh, they're doing and what's going on in our town and city and, and unique to our area here. And, um, and it just was interesting to see the dynamics between um, when folks were given the opportunity to ask questions. Um, they really weren't questions. <laughs> they were demands. Like, I mean, I, I, was, I was almost, I felt bad for the representatives. You know, I felt bad for them because, you know, why are we not doing, I mean, it was just at times vicious, you know, and, um, and I wonder if sometimes this mentality doesn't creep into our prayer life because what I was sitting there, you know, and, and really my heart broke for these for these, and these representatives were just, you know, they, they, they had clear advocacy because they grew up in this area and they had, they had you know, affinity for, for, for its context. And, and yet, they were being berated. I heard the comment from the city councilman afterwards. He says, am I black and blue? But here's my point, is that, you know, with, with, with man and, and its leadership, Oftentimes we feel like we have to convince them and get them to see it our way and we have to kind of argue our, our point and, 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 uh, and, and really advocate our, you know, our agenda. Do you know that's, that's not what prayer should be? We serve a righteous God who wants better for us than often we want for ourselves that he loves you enough to send his son to die for you, that he knows what you need. Jesus said, don't worry about clothes and food. Like God does great things with birds and grass. I mean, lilies are the clothing of the grass. Here today, gone tomorrow, oh, you of little faith, just seek first his kingdom and, and his righteousness and all these. And, and what is it when he says seek first? Doesn't that, isn't prayer a part of seeking the Lord? Because even when, when Jesus says, you know, ask and it'll be given, seeking you, I mean, he's talking about prayer there. 
And, and we, don't, we don't have to come trying to force our will and agenda. Like, it, it should be more about us coming and going, what are, you, what are you doing in me, through me, here? What is your will here? How can I more thoroughly embrace your heart and your perspective in this moment? Because I'm desperate for that. And I just think sometimes that, that, that mindset, I mean, I was just so brokenhearted for these leaders that were just coming and talking about these wonderful things they, were, they had done and were doing. And, and um, both of them would have my vote, honestly. And yet they got paraded, you know? And, uh, and man, God, so often we see it in the garden, this woman you gave me, you know, like we see God getting blamed for things when he is the, he is the, he's the righteous one. He's the, he's the one that's rescuing. He's the one that's redeeming and ransoming us. And so when we pray, we pray with that. Understand, it's, is it important when you're talking to somebody that you know their heart? Like you know their disposition and their desires? And God has revealed that to us so that we know how he relates to our petitions and pleads. I think it's interesting that before Jesus chose the 12, because there were many folks that were following him, that it says he climbed a mountain and he prayed all night. All night. I mean, this is Jesus. Prayed all night. And I believe that he was given, because we see, we see later on that he knew what Judas's role was. You know, I believe he was not just given name, but, but even like clear details about each one. But, but he sought the Father all night on this critical decision. When's the last time you spent an entire night in prayer? about a decision that was critical in your life. And Jesus models that for us over and over again. What if we prayed until we were given guidance, truly waiting on the Lord? Not moving, not getting, getting impatient, but just waiting on the Lord for his, his answer. How many of you are praying for uh, our new worship leader? I know many of you are doing that. Thank you, Jen. And, and you know, trusting God that he's going to provide, resting in him. What pleases the Lord the most? It says Hebrews eleven six. right? Without faith, it's impossible to please God, for we must believe he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Like, you know what, what marvels Jesus is faith. What God wants us to do is just to have confidence in him and wait on him. Do you, do you ever feel like God's kind of running a little late? You know, like I've uh, been, been asking here. Like, uh, and, and do we trust his timing? That he's, he's got a better plan and he's orchestrating hearts and circumstances. I wouldn't want his job. But sometimes we think there's a job opening in the Trinity when we start kind of, Yeah. So the verse continues, making supplication. And by the way, the word supplication means earnest and humble prayers. So when you're supplicating for another, you're earnestly pleading in a humble posture for all the saints, we're told. So let's, let's keep this in context, because remember, we're talking about armor here. We can fight for each other in prayer. Do you do this? Do you fight for your, for your brothers and sisters in prayer? Paul is constantly asking in a humble disposition for prayer from the saints. Prayer for what? To overcome temptation. 
to overcome anxiety and fear. Rather than being critical of others, maybe we should pray for them. Maybe rather than being critical of their doubt and fear and anxiety and addiction, that we should go to the Lord on their behalf and beg God for the miracle that only he can do to overcome grief and doubt. Are these, are these painful moments? Are these hard and difficult uh, storms in, in our lives? I want us to pause for just a moment. I'm going to ask Lori to come. Um, I, I just want us to pause for a moment and get real practical here. And just, just for three to five minutes, three minutes, um, I want us to pause and, and I want you to, to put two things into practice here this morning that I think are very central to the text. One, pray in the Spirit. I want you to just listen for who it is that the Holy Spirit, and maybe he's already put, it, put them on your heart this morning, but who is the brother or sister right now that's hurting, that's struggling, that's, that's in a fight, and they, they need support. They need advocacy, and they have it, but they need uh, our prayers, our, we, that we storm the gates for them. So what I'm going to ask you to do, and, and I'm gonna, I've asked Lori to come and, and just to help us to be in a prayerful posture through music. And we're just going to take three minutes here. We're just going to pause. And I, I just want to be super practical. And, and listen for the Spirit, for those in your life that, need, that are in a fight and need advocacy right now. And then I'm going to ask you just to pray for them. In, in, in the quietness of your seat, all, make the, your seat an altar in this moment. And let's go to the Lord practically in prayer. Let's pray. Spirit, thank you. Lord Jesus, thank you for being the mediator and the advocate that you are.
Help us to join you in the journey and advocate for the needs of others as we come before you through supplication, intercession, and just fight for those that are in the fight. Lord, we pray that you would do the mighty work that only you can do. Help us to know and believe that the battle belongs to you and that we would uh, not wrestle against flesh and blood, but that we understand that we're fully equipped to stand and to be warriors in a way that demonstrates your love and your grace, your power, and your goodness. Let our faith be a shield that, uh, that goes in front of us instead of trying to do it in our strength, knowing that your strength is mighty, sufficient. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. Please change us and help us, Holy Spirit, to listen to you more intentionally and to walk with you and to keep in step with you and, and to allow you to be the author and director of the things that we ask of the Father, knowing that that will always be in his will. And uh, so teach us to pray. Show us and grow us. In Jesus' name, amen. So guys, I believe, I believe that great things were done. In that short interval, that moment, great things were accomplished in hearts and lives. God, God moves in those moments because our confidence is in him and his ability to do the very things that we ask of him, trusting him for that. And, and do, we, do we spend a lot of time in anxiety and worry, fretting and, and, uh, and moving in ways that, that aren't fruitful because we're not we're not giving it to him in prayer. And, and what is the disposition of the saint that, that, that leaves the need, that casts his cares on him and uh, chooses to be anxious for nothing but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving and present his request or her request before the Lord? What is the disposition of that individual? They are, it's just what Lori described earlier. Right? Oh, I have, because we, we know that he's faithful. We know that he's able. We know that he hears us, right? We're promised all these things in scripture. And so we rest, we leave it. We don't come out of prayer in an anxious and worried state. Now, what am I going to do? Uh, you know, Ephesians 6, uh, 19 through 20 ends with this passage. And also, I think Paul is such a great example of what he has just given as a principle in verse 18. He says, and also for me, speaking of prayer, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. First thing is Paul asked for prayer. How are you at doing for that? That's a, that's a humble expression, isn't it? Please pray for me. And, and he asks for prayer often. This is not the only occasion, but he's, he's asking for prayer because he knows that this is a necessity in order to walk in victory. And what does he ask for prayer for? To proclaim the mystery. Who is the mystery of, of the gospel? Jesus, we're told in one of Paul's letters, 
to proclaim Jesus, the mystery of the good news, boldly. This is his prayer. Do you ask people to pray this for you? You know, it's interesting to me because in the context he's in, most people would pray for what? Rescue, deliverance, safety, comfort. I mean, like, like we would want out and Paul has come to understand by the Spirit that he is here on a purpose for a purpose. And he is asking that his mouth would be filled with the good news of Jesus Christ so that he would boldly and clearly present the gospel in the midst of his trial and adversity. That's what he's praying for. That's what he's asking the saints and begging the, 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 the church in Ephesus to pray for. Do you ask others for prayer? What we pray for says a lot about what we value. Let me say that again. What we pray for says a lot about what and who we value. And so, you know, here we see that what's the priority in Paul's life is the gospel. And doesn't that just make sense? Like, at the end of the day, what's going to matter? Do you know Jesus? Do you know him? Do you know his love? Do you know his mercy? Do you know the, the hope of glory? And this is what he is passionately asking for prayer. I love that he doesn't ask for these other things. What a great example to us. And maybe, maybe, and I say this with confidence, is he has heard from the Holy Spirit here. And he's praying in the Spirit because this is what God wants more than anything else, that none should perish. I'm going to read two passages as I close here and as the worship team comes. Um, and these are passages just to remind us at the end of this series, like the truth, the victories, the necessity, uh, the context. 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9, and we've heard this several times during this season uh, or series. It says this, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, be clear here, your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone, anyone, to devour. Resist him. And here's, like, here's an important factor that we get here. Firm in your faith. Trust God. Trust God in the midst of the moments where you have to stand against the temptation, the doubt, the fear, the anxiety. Trust God. What does it look like to hold your shield high, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of sufferings or suffering is, are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And then 2 Corinthians 10, 3 and 4. These are the two takeaway passages, complementary for sure. And it says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with, is what we've been discussing for the last several weeks, are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, listen, please hear, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Guys, we are equipped in righteousness, in truth, in the gospel, in our salvation, right? We're with faith, with the word of God, 
We are equipped with divine power to demolish strongholds as we find our strength and we battle this, these circumstances on our knees, trusting God. The big idea was this. We are not fighting for victory, but let's be reminded that we are fighting from victory. Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org.